And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11 from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Carfino. And at small forward, number 6, standing well, sometimes because he prefers to sit. Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. So I got a good story about Fortnite. So I was like the king, as any young kid was. I was like the king of GoldenEye and Mario Kart growing up. And I've, I've always played FIFA and 2K and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, Fort, this whole thing. Fort- I haven't even heard of GoldenEye. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's a James Bond thing. Uh, so we, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to try this Fortnite. So, you know, this is, I'm like 33 at the time. So I, I play Fortnite. And man, I was getting, and I had like the headset and everything. I'm like, I'm going to take this seriously. I was getting killed so fast. <laughs> and I could hear these dweeby 11 and 12 year olds. Hey, man, what the fuck are you doing, man? Just, <laughs> what are you doing, you noob? Hey, noob. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I was like, I would respawn and die. And instantly, I'm like, yeah, I was so hopeless. And they were, I was just getting vitriol <laughs> from 12-year-olds from around the world because I couldn't play Fortnite. So yeah. I gave up. Well, that's one, one day. One, one day. of the advantages of being much older is uh, not getting sucked into that. I'm... Are we really going to go what I used to play? And I didn't play very much of Kong? it. Kong? Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong's good. Yeah, Donkey Kong's Kong awesome. It. Donkey Kong. Don- and uh, my roommate, he was Galaga. Okay. Yeah. What about NBA Jam? No. Well, I mean, every, you know, my friends were into all that type of stuff, but, but Donkey Kong was about. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Donkey Kong's cool. Yeah, Donkey, Donkey Kong's cool. about as tech That's as it. I got. Yeah. Hello, everybody. And. Welcome to Inside Slam this week, uh, sitting next to the main man, Steve Carfino. And also later on the pod, we're actually going to be talking to Xavier Cooks from the Sydney Kings and yeah, getting into a deep dive with him, obviously coming back from injury this year, the high-flying Sydney Kings. It's a, it's a great story and uh, we look forward to speaking to him later in the show, so don't miss that one. A little bit of a somber mood this week, as uh, I think everybody is well aware the the great Kobe Bryant passing away a couple of days ago with his daughter Gianna uh, in what was a, a horrific accident and uh, our hearts go out to the to the rest of the people that passed away in that chopper crash. But this the podcast this week is just going to be a real short one. It's just going to be. I guess our tribute to Kobe, but um, Steve, I just want to start with you. You know, where were you when when you heard the news? I'm assuming it's when you woke up in the morning. Yeah, I was on, still on school, on, still school holidays, so you know, I wasn't up at five o'clock in the morning. It was like eight thirty, and you know, I had to go to the bathroom. I just got up and looked at my phone and checked out Instagram, and there was I followed James Innes. It's Big Game Eleven is his handle, and mm-hmm. and so he had a. a an odd picture of Co- him and Kobe Bryant on there. And and I say that because it, it wasn't James Ennis with his current team. It was James Ennis with Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. And it was it was like a, a blurry photo. And I just thought, what an odd photo to have. And I got a bad feeling. And I just thought, I didn't, you know, when it says more, I didn't even read it. Yeah. I thought I didn't click it. And then I went to the next one and it was like, R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. I was like, oh man, 
I was cut, you know. Yeah. And it surprised me how cut I was. I mean, it, it, we don't want anyone to pass, you know, tragically like that. But I wasn't like a massive Kobe Bryant fan, you know, like I'm a Magic Johnson fan and probably thought, you know, Kobe was doing his best impersonation of Michael Jordan. So I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, and talk about, you know, I've been Kobe fan since, you know, like I've always respected him because of his work ethic and, you know, he's, he's a killer, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I was gutted because I was a massive Kobe Bryant fan. It was more like this man's 41 years old, family man, you know, retired his post career of you know, his life after his basketball career was, you know, going to soar like hardly anybody's post career. So yeah, I've just felt for him, his life being cut short. You hit the nail on the head. When I found out, it was funny, I woke up about eight thirty, nine o'clock and I had 10, 12 messages and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I saw our uh, buddy of mine, Frank, uh, he messaged, it was one of the messages I read first and I was, you know, in that sleepy state and I saw Kobe and I was almost like, this is, it was like a weird dream and I kind of went back to sleep for 15 minutes and then I got up and then I just was like, kind of got out of my haze and go to the TV and then I just see the ESPN coverage and I'm like, nah, this, this can't be happening. Like Kobe had this sense of invincibility, you know, that mumba mentality to me and I was exactly the same as you. I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan. I was a huge Jordan fan. And then I was almost like, well, Kobe's trying to be too much like Mike. So, you know, when he won these championships, when he went against the Celtics and, you know, 07, 08 and, and all that, I was going against Kobe every single, I was, you know, I can I can happily say that I was, you know, going against him. I was going, I wanted Phoenix to beat him when he hit that buzzer beater. And it really affected me and I, I, maybe it's still because I, you know, I'm in the basketball community and I, I still play and, you know, I was just texting friends and as the day progressed, you know, I was like, it just hit me harder and harder and harder. And um, I think it's more because, and this is just obviously my personal connection is that he's, he's grown up, you know, and as I've gotten older as a person, I've respected his work ethic because I know, and if I'm honest with myself, I haven't matched his work ethic. And I'm like, this, this is a guy at 41, as you said, family man that is just about to start the next chapter, the second chapter, which is crazy to think it could be bigger than the first. And, but he was a man that lived life to its fullest and he left no stone unturned. You know, if he was tired and he said, if my back was hurting, my feet was hurting, all this sort of stuff, that's no excuse. I just got to go get it done. And that's, um, yeah, it just really, really hit me. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that you said that got my mind racing was that he matured. He matured right in front of us. You know, he's a 17 year old kid straight out of high school going into the pros playing in Los Angeles, a city where, you know, I do the basketball show and Derek Rucker is one of our courtside correspondents. And he said that it's like the perfect city for a young kid to go being thrown into the limelight because LA's got Hollywood and yeah. and Kobe's Hollywood, you know. 17 years old, what a story. I, I believe his first girlfriend in LA was Brandy. Brandy, you took, know, went to the high school. R&B singer. Prom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you don't get any more Hollywood than that. You know, uh, going into the NBA, he's thrust into, as a teenager, into being a millionaire. Everything he does, you know, in the public eye. And He's he made plenty of mistakes just like and we all do. And um, you know, for 
for a guy to change the way he did, like, and I think that that was the main reason why he changed from eight to 24. You know, he was evolving as a player. He was evolving as a man. He wanted to leave the, the silly antics behind and, and be more of a positive role model, uh, a better husband, uh, a better father. Uh, and I think that, you know, he was, he was on his way to achieving those things. And the fact that we lived in, we live in that time where, as he grew up, social media grew up and it had evolved. So we got to see more and more of his life. And it was only really towards the end of his career that I was really, really respecting him. And obviously the last game, you know, obviously scoring 60 points against the Jazz. You know, that's the type of mentality that Kobe was. He was like, well, I'm not going to go out and just score 10 points or come off the bench. You know, I'm going to go out all guns blazing Kobe style. And this whole Mamba mentality thing is, I think, something that really resonates with me. And, you know, he was a killer and he pissed off a lot of teammates. Some people couldn't handle it. But at the end of the day, there's only a very small percentage of the population of the whole world that has a single-minded mentality like that when it comes to greatness and it comes to winning and and fulfilling not just 100% of your potential, but 110% of your potential. And I think that's very, very rare, you know, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Roger Federer, Tom Brady. There's not many names in history that I think are at the top of the list, and Kobe's one of them. Kelly Slater, maybe? Kelly Slater, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, whew, that's a, a great list right there. I think one of the things that I want to say, and I, you know, I have to regress back into what I was saying, but I felt like I just kind of glazed over it. Hmm. Um, you know, I said, you know, we've all made mistakes. And the mistake that I'm talking about is the allegation of his sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big one, you know, just, just to glaze over. And, and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to say, you know, he's such a wonderful person. And then someone would be like, oh, you know, well, what about that sexual assault allegation? I think that um, whatever everyone's mistakes are, you know, you have to every single day, you know, keep moving forward and 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 try and be the best version of yourself. You know, um, you know, my partner tells me that it's really important for the, the person that say like on social media, the people think you are, the person you actually are, and the person you aspire to be are all real close right together. When you achieve that, then you know, you've achieved um, and are achieving something quite great. And I think that that's what he was pushing towards, you know, like he was pushing towards, you know, like he's got all these people, massive fans of his, um, you know, his family, that's important to him. Him having a project where he could really throw his passion into, and he just said he loves what he what he does every single day when he was talking about the animation and you know dear basketball and those projects he said he absolutely loved it so uh, it, it was sad because he was i think he was really pushing towards the man he wanted to be um you know and leaving all those those antics behind of you know when he wore number eight and when he was a young guy and when he was you know at 17 years old you know a millionaire and and in the public eye um, I think that could lead a lot of us astray, the temptations that you would have uh, with with all of those things thrust in front of you and that little bit of life experience to be able to handle those big things. And, and I think that that's what's sad because I think that we were going to see the best of Kobe Bryant, you know, in years to come. I think Kobe, his whole career was respected. I don't think his whole career he was liked, but in the last few years, 
he became liked. And I think that's the difference. He evolved from a confident, almost arrogant, under 25-year-old guy with three championships did, into a... F- did you say almost arrogant? <laughs> okay. Come on now. Yeah. I, we're showing the man some respect yeah. because he, he's passed. But come on. He was full-blown arrogant. Full-blown arrogant, <laughs> but confident in his ability and got, you know, got shit done. Yeah, um, absolutely. And became, you know, a, a late 30s, early 40s man that, you know, had that family connection and not just a family connection, but the res- the respect and the willingness to help players. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he challenged him to win an MVP. Giannis went and got it done. And, you know, he said and he had that open door policy about, guys, if you want to do a one-on-one workout and his insights into the game, he, he was willing to pass on, you know, all that information that he had accrued over his career. And that was, was as exciting. I've, I was speaking to a friend of mine, Andrew Collins, who he lives up in China. He's, he's, um, he handles a lot of Kobe's Chinese media affairs and because in China, Kobe is huge. He's probably bigger than LeBron. He's absolutely massive and he's done everything he's, he's, he has done is touched to gold. It's not like he did. I mean, a lot of athletes over the years, let's be honest, they've taken endorsements for the cash. It's like a cheap endorsement in, in an obscure country just to take that money. But everything Kobe wanted to do, he wanted to have creative input. He wanted, he didn't leave any stone unturned when it came to any part of his life. I was reading today that, you know, him and his wife, they made a pact not to travel on a helicopter ever together because of the whole family thing. I mean, think about that. Those are the things that have really resonated with me. It hit me hard um, knowing the fact that I know I can be better. I know each death that means something to and any death that of a person that means something to us, that's when we reflect and I reflect on people I could have been better with or you know not saying I love you enough to people who who have mean a lot to me in my life not being a hundred percent version of myself and dropping the ball on that occasion and yeah that's that's kind of where the hit hardest most for me yeah I mean you know there's life lessons all the time and you know here's a guy that that has everything and it just shows you there are no guarantees you know like even, even when you're rich enough to hire a helicopter, you know, instead of driving traffic, it can end tragically. So, you know, and I think that he, boy, I don't know if there's any person that's ever lived that has crammed more than he did into 41 years of life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can say that, you know, he didn't cure cancer or, you know, he didn't discover electricity, but, um, you know, for a basketball player, yeah, 41 years, he, he jammed a lot into and it's tragic that, his daughter, you know, who was clearly the apple of his eye. Brought him back to basketball, really? Yeah. Yeah. Is there, you know, just to kind of finish, uh, you know, on a bit of a, on a high note in terms of, you know, Kobe's life and, you know, this, this tribute to him, is there a, a, a moment that kind of sticks with you as, damn, that was Kobe? My favorite Kobe moment was, and I've like – um, no secret that that wasn't a massive Kobe Bryant fan, but my favorite Kobe Bryant moment was when he played for Team USA, and he took all the tough covers. The best player on the other team in two thousand eight. I've got him. Yeah, I've got him. Uh, took a lesser role. Took less shots. Just enjoyed playing with all that talent. The LeBrons, the Wayne, the Wayne Wades. He just was one of the guys. He enjoyed being one of the guys. And I never saw that side of him. I always saw the 
the you know the selfish, cocky, abusing his teammates type guy. Mm. You know because he's such a fierce competitor. Um, I wasn't. I didn't respect that as much as I respected the the Magic Johnson who just you know made everybody around him a better player while he was having fun out on the court. I respected Kobe Bryant. Nobody works harder than Kobe Bryant. I don't. I can't see anybody that ever will. So I've always respected him. But that moment in time when he played for Team USA, proud to represent his country, taking a lesser role, being more—I wouldn't say he's a role player. That's a big stretch. <laughs> but you know, taking a backseat offensively to guys because he was proud to take the defensive role and be one of the guys. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that uh, that Olympic uh, team because I was living in China in 2008 and I got a call from a friend of mine. He said, listen, uh, I'm chaperoning the dream team around tonight. And I'm like, okay. Are you busy? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have to say anything. I'm there. He goes, I need you, a couple of your friends, just to act as private security. We need we need to find a place where they can be alone, no press, no nothing. We get them in the back door. I'm like, okay, we know the perfect place. So there was a place that was um, a huge pool hall, heaps of room for the guys to move around. They all came out through the through the bottom stair, the back stairs or whatever. And Kobe's there, LeBron's there, Dwayne Wade, Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Jason Kidd. I'm there going, oh, my God, this is I'm, – I'm like 25 going, this is the greatest thing ever. And <laughs> Try, Trying to act like it you know, wasn't the greatest thing that's ever happened Ex to you. Exactly. Trying to be like the coolest white, guy, <laughs> coolest white guy in the room. And then I remembered Jason Kidd was there. So, um, But Kobe that night – so this is the night before they played Australia in a warm-up game in Shanghai before the Beijing Olympics. He he did, I reckon, 10, 12 tequila shots. Who did? Kobe. Mm. Came out against Australia the next day and wiped him. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, and he came up, I remember he's like, hey, man, any tequila? I'm like, yeah, whatever you want, man. I'll just go get it for you. And he was just doing tequila, but he was just sitting by himself. You know, he was just chill, occasional game of pool, you know, just being one of the guys. And it's only now that it kind of sticks into my head. Um and it was, it was just, you know, because I, like I said, I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan, but now looking back at it, and I was like, and then he torched Australia the next day. And then they, I, I was so, I got to see the Team USA beat Spain in the gold medal match. I was rooting for Spain so hard because uh, I love the underdogs. But yeah, man, he. Uh, like anti American or something. I was, yeah. I'm working with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, in, terms of, in terms of his playing days, the one that sticks with me is that game winner against uh, Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I loved that. I wanted Steve Nash to win so bad, and then how they threw away that game. And they get first of all they and they get that jump ball. It goes to Kobe. Five seconds. He dribbles right to his perfect spot, uh, top of the elbow, drains it as time expires. I'm like, that is the penultimate Kobe Bryant moment. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of game winners. A lot of highlights, a lot of winning. So you know, to have a particular one is a tough one. But so that's probably why I picked the Team USA one. Just the whole entire tournament. Absolutely. All right, on the line we've got Xavier Cook. Xavier, thank you so much for joining Inside Slam. We really appreciate it, mate. I just want to get straight into it. Um, NBL, obviously, you know, you you with the the high flying Sydney Kings. How's it been uh, since you've uh, joined that high-flying team? It's been really 
really good. I mean, everyone's really welcoming here at King. It's a real professional organization, which I'm happy about. And we're winning games. That's always a positive. And Zave, you know, go back a little bit from the Sydney Kings and, and joining them. But when you made the Australian team, you know, before you went out with injury, you know, there are a lot of people in Australia who are like, you know, who is this guy? Where does he come from? Maybe we can share with, I mean, I know your path because, you know, we're close friends with your family. But that journey from Winthrop to playing overseas in Europe uh, and then coming back to Australia, what's that been like for you? It's been good. It's had ups and downs. Obviously, people don't know anything about me when I went to college because I went to a small school. Winthrop's not really known in the Australian basketball world that much. Well, maybe a little bit more now, but back then I was pretty small. Um, I loved it over there. Going to a small school gave me a better chance to shine, and I had a big role as a freshman, so I got to develop my game a bit earlier. And then going over to Germany, I loved it over there. Just different style of basketball. It's kind of it's very similar to Australia, but it's very team orientated. People passing the ball, stuff like that. It's not very. I felt the American basketball system was a little bit selfish, and the Europe was completely opposite. So I love that. Playing over in Europe, and you know, we hear about it's a great league. It's great competition, the money's good, but, you know, what's it like for you personally, you know, like you're a young kid right out of college, going over there and, you know, the language barrier and you don't know anyone. Was that a tough experience for you? Uh, the first month was really tough just because you're right, you don't talk to anybody, your teammates. Uh, when you're in college, there's a bunch of 18 to 21-year-old dudes just trying to have some fun. Then you go over to college, I mean, to Europe, and it's People have families and no one wants to go have dinner every night and stuff like that. So you're really on your own. And then it's tough with the language barrier. You go into the grocery store, can't read anything, buying all the wrong stuff. But it kind of helps you grow up a little bit, which is I kind of needed it at the time. So I wouldn't take it back. I loved it. I know a lot of people that go to Europe and hated it because of their situation and their playing role and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was a positive experience. I got to see the world while I was young. I traveled to crazy countries like Turkey, Russia, all that kind of stuff. Like, I loved it. Xavier, you're still young, mate. So uh, don't worry about that. You got your whole life ahead of you. We got yeah, the two. We got two old timers here. Well, one old timer and one medium part timer. Uh, old timer, that's me. Um, but just um, talking about that journey. Obviously, you know, you've played college. You know, you played in the summer league. You've played in Europe. You've played in Australia. What league has that level of professionalism that kind of makes you think and go, wow, okay, this is, this is, I've really made it? To be honest, with you, I think it's the Kings, to be honest with you, because um, even when I was in college and I was in, um, in Germany, I wasn't at the, I guess you could say, the highest of the teams in the league. Like, my team in Germany didn't have the facilities that we have and the, the resources that we have at Sydney. Like, we're here, we're going to chiropractor, we're getting massages all the time. We're, emphasizing the little things about keeping your body right and all the little things that, like, help you get a championship level. But I didn't really have that over in Germany. We would just do two a days of training. We would bust. We'd work really hard, sorry. And then um, that was it. We're over here. We'd go. We'd look after our bodies. We'd monitor all the kind of stuff, our heart rate, our tracking, our, how much juice we have in our body every day. And, I mean, obviously, Summer League probably had the highest resources because they're just below the NBA and have all the crazy money. Mm-hmm. But... As a long team kind of thing, Sydney's going to be the highest for me. Wow. And, you know, the league is, is so different back then when uh, you, your dad was in it and, and back even further when I was in it. Uh, you know, you can't even get in this league unless you've got NBA cred over here. Uh, yourself going to a couple of summer leagues, guys using this league to springboard into the NBA or back into the NBA. Uh, what are your plans? If I try to tell you I was going to make the NBA, that would be a lie. 
I think everyone that plays basketball is trying to make the NBA. It's the highest league in the world and all that kind of stuff. But that's obviously my end goal. And right now I'm going to try and do everything to get back to that level. I know it's an Olympic year this year. That'll be great to try and make the squad to give it a tryout for that. But um, I'm just going day to day. Right now my goal is just trying to win the championship here. What do you feel like you need to do to get to, to, the, to get to that goal? What is it that you feel like you need to do better uh, to get to the ultimate prize? Uh, definitely shoot the ball better. I've been having a terrible year shooting the ball. There's career lows in every field goal percentage, three-point free throws, all that kind of stuff right now. But I've never really come off an injury. I've never really sat out for six months in a long time. So mentally, I think basketball is a really big mental game. And mentally, I wasn't used to sitting out for so long and losing my confidence and that kind of stuff. But I think it's just getting back to shooting the ball better and becoming more of a three-man. I played a lot of the four in college, and last year I played a bit of the four as well. And um, I think my future is probably at the three or the undersized four if I shoot the ball really well. So just working on little stuff like that, ball handling, shooting the ball. I think I'm a pretty good defender as it is and a good rebounder, but just trying to excel at everything. You just uh, touched upon what I was just about to ask you, Zave. Your rebounding. I've I've seen you firsthand uh, you know, a few times this year, and that is probably, in my opinion, one of the strongest points of your game. Uh, you know, you're ferocious on the boards. Is that something that you've been working on yourself because you, you know that your that shot is a is a you know work in progress? Uh, no, I've always been a pretty good rebounder. When I was in college, I broke a couple of rebounding records and that kind of stuff. But at, at this time of the team, when I joined, they had a couple of games where they were getting out rebounded. So I saw my role as a team has come. That's one thing I could help out on. Whatever they need me to do, I'm gonna try and do it. And I knew they wanted help in the rebound. So, as a six foot eight three man, I knew I had a height advantage above most people in my position. So I just went in there and crashed. And I don't know. I'm just gonna keep doing that till it works, till it stops working for me. Sorry. Well, it seems like Will Weaver and the Kings organization are are happy with all the other things that you do. I would imagine when you can rebound like that, and when you can stat all the way across the board like you do, it must take a lot of pressure off the fact that you're not hitting shots. It does. I mean, a lot of people that know understand basketball know it's not all about scoring. It's about like the little things, deflections, assists, rebounds, stuff like that. So I personally will go out and have a game and I'll shoot two for nine and I'll walk away feeling still happy because I had three blocks, a couple steals and a lot of deflections and change the games in ways that not just scoring, but I, everyone wants to score points, let's be honest with you. Like everyone wants to score, everyone wants to hit a three, couple three-pointers. So I'm going to keep working on that, but I'm going to try and stay positive about the whole situation. Is it difficult coming to a team that I mean you come into the to the lineup when they're in first place. You know, in their first place now, even though you're highly credentialed, you're still a young guy and a new guy on the team. Is that in the back of your mind when, you know, say you missed a couple and you know, like when you're the star, you miss a couple, it's no big deal. You can get yourself into a rhythm. But is it throw a little bit more difficulty in shooting the ball in the game when you're on a team that's got a lot of weapons? For sure. I mean, I think that was the main thing I thought about when I come, came and joined this team is, like, we were winning games. I don't want to come in here and take up 30% of the shots and ruin the whole team dynamic or anything like that. I just try to, like, find my role at first literally and try to expand on it. And um, you're right, it's a little bit of pressure because they're in first place. And I know they went on a big losing streak. It'll probably be my fault or something like that. But <laughs> it, was, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, when you look at the, t- uh, the Kings lineup, you look at you know guys like Bruce, who's really taken a big step this year. 
obviously, you know, you got the um, the veterans, Bogut and Newley. You got Ware and you got Lazada and, you know, you got Jason Tate. When I look at the Kings, I, look, I see balance across the board. Is that what you found when, when you joined the team? Oh, 100%. We have so much talent from top to bottom. Even people you didn't mention, like DT, Taylor, I mean, and all those kind of guys. Like, we have so much talent from top to bottom, which is you need in this kind of league because any night some guy can get shut down by a great defender and someone else has got to step up. And we have the ability to do that. But I think the most impressive thing is defensively. Like, we really lock up one through five. Like, and then we have big bogus down low, blocking shots and all that kind of stuff. So I think our main strength is our defense. is like our versatility on defense. When you guys went on that the slide of, you know, losing five games out of seven, what is it you think you're doing better? You know, was it is it at the defensive end? You know, is it more consistency on the offensive end? What do you think the turnaround has been? I think it's just the urgency. Like, um, sometimes you need to get punched in the face to get back up. Like, we were, I don't want to say complacent, but we were just used to winning and we stopped getting away from the little things, like diving on loose balls and, like, knowing that every possession matters because, we had a lot of games that we should have lost and we came back and won in the fourth quarter and we thought we could always just, like, we could just turn it on and turn it off. And that was really good for us. I think it was a great timing for us to go through that bit of a losing streak because now we've, what, we've got three games left going into the playoffs and now we know we're hitting right. We're playing our best basketball right now. So I think it was so big for us. Just quickly, Xavier, what's it like playing with a, a guy with that championship pedigree, Andrew Bogut? Because... You know, from the outside looking in, he looks like he's a guy that can go up to the the next level at any moment during the game. Um, he's got that vision. But what's it like playing with someone and actually, you know, training day in, day out with, with someone that's, you know, been there and, and won a championship in the NBA? Unbelievable. It's priceless, those kind of people like that, especially for young guys like us. Um, Bogut would probably spend an hour, hour and a half a day on just his body and, like, a lot of people, like, young people don't emphasize stretching, cold tubs, or this kind of stuff, and he's emphasizing that. And then when we start training, he's holding everybody accountable for little stuff, rebounds, deflections, even, like, off-ball stance, body language, all this little kind of stuff that kind of gets slipping sometimes. He knows that all that kind of stuff matters, like, going out for dinner as a team, and, like, even when we fly, trying to stay together as a group, just the, the chemistry, like, all these little things, both knows that kind of stuff He's played at the highest level and won championships at the highest level. So he knows that kind of stuff, and it's so valuable for our team. Yeah, unfortunately, um, Kobe Bryant passing, you know, has shocked the basketball world. Has it affected you in some way? Unbelievable. I still feels unreal right now. But, um, of course, it touched every single basketball player that, like, played in the last 20 years. He's an unbelievable competitor. And just going through social media the last couple of days, you can't look away from it. It's just so sad especially for his daughter and everyone else involved. It's just a real sad situation. I think it's just, you know, touched everyone in the whole basketball world. It's just a massive shock to us. But on a positive note, you know, it's in regards to what you're doing, you know, you keep doing what you're doing because, um, you know, I know you're turning some heads and it's it's great that you've come back so strongly from injury. I think that's so that's such an underrated thing to come back from injury stronger than what you were before. So, Congrats from um, from everybody at Inside Slam for doing that, and um, yeah, we wish you all the best, and um, you know, with the Kings for the rest of the year, and yeah, thanks for coming on Inside Slam. Yeah, and Zave, you I know think- what you know what's even more impressive is you know I've known you since you know you could barely walk, and what's more impressive is how much you talk now. 
How much I talk now? Yeah, <laughs> compared to when you're a little kid. <laughs> yeah, still not very comfortable with it, but it is what it is. Actually, Zay, before you go, do you have a little Steve Carfino story that you can share? Something that uh, nobody else knows, or a little bit of insight? I get to work with the guy every week, but any any funny stories from Steve? I'm sure I do. I'm about to think about this one. <laughs> <laughs> or is that too? There's too many. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, Zay. too many. Too many years. Oh man, he's paid you. He's paid you off. <laughs> Yeah. So appreciate your time, Xavier, and uh, yeah, best of luck for the rest of the year. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It's just a short pod for us today. Uh, you know, really appreciate your listening. You're not following us. Make sure you um, you do on Inside Slam. We're going to be putting up a few things about Kobe, which we already have as well. Make sure you follow uh, Global Story Network on, on Twitter and Instagram. Next week, um, we're going to be back, you know, back to normal NBA, but we're going to deep dive into a couple other different topics next week. We're going to get into the whole wellness game, looking after your body. Steve's big on that. He's, he's had a transformation these, this last 12 months. So, yeah, we look forward to, uh, to that episode next week. But um, we'll finish in the immortal words uh, of Kobe Bryant. All right. It's a drop-the-mic moment, and it was Mamba out. <laughs>